Welcome to the Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of identity and healing with your host, Dr. Laura Polak, a somatic healer and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Queer Body. We are moving into our second season. This is our third episode in the second season. And as I've mentioned in the last two, we are moving into a web platform where some of the wonderful people I'm speaking with will be teaching classes, offering their gifts in coaching or whatever they do. And we hope you'll join us there. Today, I am really excited to have one of uh, my role models in my local community, Sister Sparkle Plenty. Welcome, Sister Sparkles. Thank you. Uh, Sister Sparkle is also known as Jim in another world, in another venue. Um, Sister Sparkle is the daughter to Sister Mary Margaret Explosion and the granddaughter of Sister Vicious Power Hungry Bitch, who is the founder of San Francisco Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and is one of the founding members of Russian Rivers Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And I know it's shocking for me, but there are people who have no idea what the Russian River Sisters of Perpetual or all Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are. So can you just start us off explaining what the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence do? Well, originally it was when they first started roughly in the 1980, 1979-1980, it was started by three gay guys who got hold of nun costumes from a production of The Sound of Music. Hmm. And they would go through uh, t- town, San Francisco, roller skating, and they created a sensation. And at first it was just doing crazy stunts. And then the Cuban refugee crisis happened and the, a few other um, shocking political events happened and they decided we needed to we need to become political and we need to bring awareness to what is happening um the sisters don't say how you need to be how you need to vote how you need to react they say this is what's going on we don't like it and make an educational statement about it rather than directing people to act one way or be one way. We call ourselves the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence because we actually commune with our community. We are actually ministering to our community. We take vows of perpetual indulgence that say that we will be uh, considerate of of how we affect others and that we promulgate universal joy and we expiate stigmatic guilt. Mm. Expiating stigmatic guilt means that we help people understand that they don't have to be burdened by the pressures that society puts upon them to be a certain way, to look a certain way, to worry about their dress size or anything like that. Promulgation of universal joy simply means we are born to be happy. We are born to be content. And unfortunately, that doesn't come easily for a lot of people because they're in really tough situations. Mm -hmm. But as some people say, we are sacred clowns where 
we poke at people through actions and 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 um, at events we we draw attention of course well i think that it's important particularly because we are on a, a podcast to explain that um i used to call you all the lone rangers oh and the reason i called you the lone ranger is that um sisters of perpetual indulgence are always in white face once they've gotten past i mean it's quite a process to be to get your white face but once you get your white face and you get your name you are no longer recognizable as i'm seeing you right now mm-hmm. nobody would recognize the different sisters sparkle plenty um often is wearing lots and lots and lots of sparkle with sure. a white base um and incredibly good taste in clothing thank you Yes, um, but you are not drag queens. It's it is very different, and so I think it's like I think a lot of people would think you're drag queens, and I think a lot of people think you're just for fun. Mm. So one of the things that the sisters do that they're most known for is bingo. So that was something that really connect, helped us connect with our community, because in the early days, and when we started in April of two thousand one, people were saying, "Oh, they just want to get dressed up." They want to go out and have fun. They're probably going to be hitting up the bartenders for free drinks and stuff like that, which we never did. Mm-hmm. And within a very short period of time, people understood that we weren't just doing things for the, the gay lesbian community. We were working with the entire community. And that's that happened because of bingo. But so why bingo? Well, the San Francisco sisters had uh, a sister named Sister Betty Does. And this was back when we were first starting. He was doing a few bingo events at um, a church auxiliary building down in the San Francisco. And he asked if we would like to come down and help out, you know, make it work and that kind of a thing. And we started talking amongst ourselves, myself and Sister No Vanilla, who talks chocolate, but he's pure vanilla. I, I was um, his neighbor, or well, my friend was his neighbor for a while. I remember Sister Nova. Sue? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. We used to hang out and have brunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Sister Nova says, we could do this on the river. Can't? Why can't we do this on the river? And we, Yeah, why can't we? So that was in 2003 in August. We did our first bingo. And it was for the Lazy Bear event, which is the gathering of big hairy men who like to uh, we left alone and converge on Burnville for an, a weekend of uh, celebration. Um, so we did a bingo and it was sold out. It was jammed. We had a little hand crank bingo machine and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of success. So we thought, OK, we'll try it on a, 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 another once again. The next bingo, um, we probably had 60 people there and there was a little a group of little old ladies over here and a group of gay people over here and a group of local people over here. And they weren't communicating or mixing or mingling. Right. They were maintaining their own little territorial space mm-hmm. in this bingo. But they were playing bingo, mm-hmm. and which was fine. The That was in September. October, we probably had 120 people there. Because those original 60 people had said, hey, we had a great time, you know, do that. Well, 
within a very short time, people started talking to each other. I mean, when you're jammed together Mm -hmm. side by side, Mm -hmm. they're sharing people that were afraid of each other Mm -hmm. because they didn't know each other. Mm -hmm. They were afraid of the gay people and the gay people were afraid of the the, uh, redneck people and Mm -hmm. on and on and on. Mm -hmm. They started thinking, hey, wait a minute, they're the same because they're sharing baby pictures Mm -hmm. and recipes and admiring each other's fingernail polish and all of these barriers started tumbling down. Mm. And that's when people realize that, hey, the Russian River sisters are very different. They're not what we were expecting them to be. They thought we were going to only be doing stuff for gay people. Mm-hmm. But we immediately found out that the Guerneville School needed funding. The Russian River Senior Center had lost a huge amount of funding from, I believe it was UNICEF. And... So he says, okay, we'll help you, we'll help you bridge that gap if we can. We'll do the best we can. And they were eventually able to get the funding restored because the funder saw how much the community was involved in helping the senior center get on it, stay on its feet, mm-hmm. stay active. Mm-hmm. And then we were working with the 4-H groups and church groups. And um, we've probably in 20 years of bingos, we've probably worked with 200 different organizations. I just, I really adore this and I adore it for multiple reasons. Um, one of the reasons I really love this is that I think, um, and now I'm going to sound like an old lady, but I think nowadays political action is um, very serious and missing some art. And um, this dissolving of barriers, you know, there's a lot of, well, we're gays and we're over here and we're this and we're over here and we're the this and we're over. And, you know, there's this separation Mm -hmm. that I just find it so beautiful that you were able to melt all of that Mm -hmm. so that the 4-H group is hiring the queer, quote unquote, drag people to come help them. Like, well, we, they did not hire us. We actually volunteered benefits for them. Yes, and but so, they received it, right? Like, why didn't they push back and be like, we're not taking your faggy money? Well, they needed they, they needed help, and we were there, and we were able to make it happen. And that's what, that, <laughs> you, you say know, it like it's we, nothing, Jim, but that, really, that's everything. It's such, yeah. it's everything. Yeah, and we've had other group, other sister organizations. There's like 75 or 80 groups of sisters of perpetual indulgence across the United States. Right. And they're like, how do you guys do it? How do you work with schools and churches and stuff? Mm-hmm. And we're saying, well, we're a community of 4,000 people. And there's no, for want of a better term, gay ghetto mm-hmm. in the area. It, We didn't have that kind of a built-in audience. So we built our own audience out of our community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where it all came together. It really is just beautiful and remarkable. And I, um, one of the main reasons I wanted you to have on, have you on the show is, is that you're so humble. (laughs) So like, wait, like it really is something that we can model that for forerunners in our community, you've been doing this for how many years now? Uh, In April, it'll be our 23rd year. Yeah. You know, and we have so many people talking about burnout, exhaustion, fatigue. It's a reality. Yeah. So how do you work with all those things, Jim? Well, I'm retired. So that helped immensely. When we first started, I was 
I own the Wishing Well Nursery and Freestone House and Gardens, which is an art gallery. And uh, I was doing 80 hours a week there. Mm-hmm. And um, I did, I retired in 2009. So it was a balancing act of, you know, I was sparkle plenty. And then I had to the gym again. And on Monday morning, I'd have, I'd still have glitter on my face and people say, oh, did you have an event last the other day? And I say, yeah. Well, and they say, what did you do? And I said, well, we did a fundraiser for uh, some kids group or something. And uh, so it didn't really affect my life. It, my life became enmeshed. And I was very, very fortunate that I was in that position. My prior life, I was a mechanic. I owned an auto parts store in a machine shop. Mm-hmm. Very different, you know, very homophobic and very unpleasant. But when I owned, when I bought the nursery and created Freestone House and Gardens, it was an entire different world. People from all over the world were coming and it was this glorious garden. You know, there weren't any stacks of fertilizer and, you know, there were chickens running around and ducks and geese and there were swans in the pond and people would just come and spend the day. You know, they'd bring a picnic lunch and, you know, and hang out in the gazebo and sometimes I'd have music going or mm-hmm. it was just a great opportunity, a healing opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. It was a sanctuary. And a lot of people, it was interesting, most people respected that because the minute they walked through those gates, I would have a Sarah Brightman aria going on and they would, uh, they would just start whispering. Mm. And they walk slowly and they they just absorbed an atmosphere that I had created in these gardens. It was really, uh, it was a lifesaver for me. Mm-hmm. And it was a, 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 a wonderful experience for them. Some people came weekly just, just to sit and soak yeah, it garden. up. Yeah. So let me ask you about that because I, I do think you have this amazing capacity um, to a lot of times. Uh, so there, we were, we've been talking about prophets, people who are leaders in our community. And a lot of times um, people are not quite sure they're, they're swimming in a culture of racism. They're swimming in a culture of, you know, anti-patriarch, all of the things, all of the isms. And it seems with the magic of Sister Sparkle and Jim, like I really do think they're blended quite well, <laughs> that you um, you just kind of don't go there. You just create the world that you want to be in. You're imagining your future and making it be so. Does it feel that way to you? In a certain, to a certain degree, yes. The, the phys- in, in, in creating the Freestone House and Gardens, um, I had a blank slate to work with this old neoclassic Victorian hotel. I had the ground floor, 18-foot ceilings. It was bare. And I needed a chandelier. And I saw one at an antique store, and it was $60,000. And I thought, oh, God, <laughs> I can make one. Mm-hmm. So I took a table leg and some brake line tubing, and I made this enormous chandelier, strung it with Christmas garlands, the shiny iridescent beads, and hung thousands of snowflakes all in that crystal clear stuff. And I had this magnificent thing that was way better. It cost me 200 bucks to make it, and it Mm -hmm. was way better than anything I could have purchased. And people would come in and they would say, oh, my God, you're doing all these things. I could never do that. And I had to tell them I never knew how to do it until 
until I'd learned how to do it. I just figured it out. If I didn't know how, I, I, I nearly electrocuted myself twice. <laughs> but, you know, I'm fortunately I'm still here. So, um, but people come. People say, I could never do that. And I had somebody the other day, they saw one of my drawings and they said, oh God, I could never do that. And I says, I never was able to do it either until I learned how to do it, how to make it happen. And I said, take a few minutes, get a pencil and a piece of paper and just start doodling, you know, and you're you're, going to create a magic, something magical is going to happen. And it doesn't have to be perfect. In your eye, it doesn't have to be what you expected. Let it happen on its own. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, that's what's happened throughout my life. It's happened on its own. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not really good at setting goals. Some people, you know, they've got the goals. um, They'll say, oh, I've got a three-year plan, or or, 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 for example. And I, I really don't work very well that way. I take it as it comes and I deal with it. Um, but I just, the, having the gallery, I freed my artistic creativity beyond belief. But I'm going to challenge you just for a minute, sister, because here's the thing. You also have made that happen for a revolution politically. And not only did you do it a revolution politically, but you did it with joy and laughter and fun. And that is something really important worth noting. And if you have any, I, I know that you have a magic wand. I, there is no doubt in my mind that I do, you, and it's in the trunk of my car. Yeah, I know <laughs> it is. I know it is. I'm coming over. <laughs> um, and like we have listeners out there who are going, well, how how do you do that? Like, do you have any hints about how you create that magic? About how you create magic in in political revolution, in art, in landscape, in my goodness, I mean, you've made way more than chandeliers. But well, that's true. The the thing about bringing people joy and happiness, we found that you can tell people all day long what's going on and hope they get the message, but if you make them laugh. Mm-hmm. or make them enjoy half of give them a couple of hours to act like children again yeah or to be joyful or um and just have a, a share the company of somebody else mm-hmm. they start they, they it's like i said the barriers fall down you know mm-hmm. we we had this one woman come to us and she said i would i like to bake chocolate and um i sh- I um I want to bake confections for you for your events. Can I do that? And I said, sure, that would be lovely. That would be wonderful. And so she brought this big cake to one of our events, and it was it had a fire truck on it, and it had a it was a, a had a cabin on it. The cabin was on fire, and um, and she brought it in, and and we were talking with, and we we uh, we Miss Vicky we called her, and somebody says, "Do you know who that is?" And I says, "Well." That's Miss Vicky. And it turned they this is well, she's the matriarch of a very, very conservative family. They've been here for generations. And you know, you better watch yourself, meaning, you know, homophobic and all of that. And mm-hmm. I said, Oh my gosh, she's been baking her son's <laughs> a wonderful man, you know. And and um I think we brought out that in people. Yeah. Um Yeah. 
I probably wandered off your question. No, you didn't at all. I think this is the magic that um, that I'm just trying to illuminate that y- you just do. It's just who you are, and there is no need to see that they're conservative. <laughs> you just all everything's falling down so that we can all just be human. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have two other questions I have to get to because every single person I I ask, um, so what does it mean to you to be queer? Well, I understand the term queer. It it, it has a myriad of definitions. Um, But for me, I don't really label myself queer. I am me. Mm -hmm. I happen to be gay. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm weird. I'm Mm -hmm. quirky. Um, I forget what I'm trying to say halfway through saying it, um, being queer, gay, homosexual, that's just a tenth of a percent of who I really am. Mm -hmm. I have hidden it for a long time in my youth growing up. When I was young, I immediately picked up on the subtle signals from the adults around me that, hey, you know, that behavior is that that that's girly behavior and you gotta you gotta macho it up. And it took me a long time to figure it out because, you know, back then there, there wasn't the internet, you know, there wasn't the chat rooms or anything where you could where young gay kids could connect. Um, and I would see a newspaper headline, a homosexual found murdered in park. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, they're gonna, you know, that mm-hmm. that's gonna be, you know my life. And Mm -hmm. so I grew up fearful in many ways and closeted and hidden through until maybe 21 or 22. And then I slowly started, you know, meeting other, you know, gay people and stuff. Um, But it wasn't, I never really considered that to be my identity. My identity was Jim, who liked working on cars liked working on his house, liked making things, drawing, that kind of a thing. I never did drag until we were, until I became a sister. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I realized it, you know, we're all born naked and everything else is drag. Mm-hmm. But um, I've never really considered myself queer. It's all, it, 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 that has been very, an unimportant thing to me, really. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take umbrage against somebody using it as a, a demeaning remark, you know, mm-hmm. in the old days, I would just ignore it. But nowadays it's like, mm-hmm. you know? uh-huh. Uh-huh. exactly. It, it'll bring out a reaction in me. And I noticed that the older I've gotten, the less inhibited I am about reacting. Mm-hmm. I might, depending on the person, you know, if it's a little kid, I'll say, Hey, you know, that's not the right, that's not a cool thing to be. Mm-hmm. You know, because kids talk like that. Cool. Yeah, they say dumb things, or yeah. you know, but they're honest, and, and there's something to be said for that. At least there's that honest and integrity. Right. Yeah. You're you're my second person. Actually, the last interview also was like, you know, who I am as a human is more important to me than um, these checkboxes. And right. I think that as people evolve in their spiritual practice and they evolve in their knowing who they are, that this is common. Um, and, you know, it is also a part of our identities, particularly people who've lived through not feeling safe out right. in the world to now where it's very, um, very different for us all. So well, I appreciate that. We're never done that. growing. Yeah. yeah. We're never done. You no. Know? 
we think, oh, I've done it all. I've seen it all. It's like, <laughs> the more you learn, the more you see, the more you realize you're just beginning. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, we were talking earlier, so I'm going to weave this in here. It may seem incongruent, but um, about practice. And one of the things I see in you, so I'm just going to name it and then see what you do with it, is that no matter where you are, there's beauty around you, that you see beauty everywhere, and that that's part of one of your gifts in the world. Mm. And we were talking about if you had a practice that you could offer our community around beauty, what that might look like. What I would suggest somebody do is they need to be in a place of quiet. They need to calm themselves internally and just open their eyes and take in what's around them. Um, there's surprising amounts of beauty that go unnoticed on a daily basis. If you're in town, um, it would be something different than if you were, you know, on a park bench in Armstrong Woods Park. But looking quietly, soaking up details quietly, you see that the beauty in the most unexpected places, I mean, like a manhole cover, the intricate patterning of the cast iron mm. on that manhole cover was designed by somebody, created and built by somebody, and it's a thing of beauty. The screws, rusty, gnarly, busted up screws holding that park bench together, there's beauty in rust. There's beauty in crackled, flaky paint. Some people do it deliberately. <laughs> and there's beauty in the most unexpected ways I remember once I was sitting quiet and small white feathers started floating down in front of me. And I thought, oh, my God, what in the heck is going on? There was a bird sitting in the tree above me preening itself. Mm. These little white feathers, like an occasional snowflake, were just floating down. And if I hadn't been sitting quietly, I probably wouldn't have noticed that. And it wouldn't have meant as much to me. It was a gift, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and those gifts around us, they happen, they're, they're constantly happening. Um, the way the sunlight comes through the windows, I have a Buddha at the end of my bed and it's got some crystal beads around it. And one day I was walking from the bathroom to my bedroom. I had just taken a shower and the sunlight, just like that. Mm -hmm. your curtain mm -hmm. the sunlight was coming through and hitting those crystal beads and shattering into this rainbow all around this buddha statue mm -hmm. and here i am not a stitch on grab my camera and i start taking dozens and dozens of photos and i came with a couple of just my favorite all-time photos and it was just that moment of unimaginable beauty that I was able to experience. And I have tried to recreate that image a dozen times. I have never been able to do it. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But just that light coming through, laying in bed, watching the little specks of dust float in the air. Mm -hmm. That's a gift. That's all a gift. You know? it, it's, it such, really it's a quiet, peaceful gift. Mm -hmm. Rain on the roof, mm -hmm. unless you've got a lot of leaks. 
<laughs> you know, I don't want to wake. I don't want to wake up wet. No, no, me either. No, <laughs> but there's also sounds that are gifts. I call them silent sounds because when you're sitting quietly, all of a sudden you realize, God, it's noisy here. Because there's falling leaves and they don't just fall. They bang, 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 bang down <laughs> through the trees and hit the dry grass. Mm. There's little critters rustling through the grass. One of the most magical moments I had was I was sitting under a madrone tree in our garden and I could hear this snapping and crackling. And it was like, oh my, this is really cool. What's going on here? It was the dried leaves. The sun was drying them out. They were moist and wet from the dew. As the sun dried them out, they would return to a curled shape and they would snap and mm. pop and crackle. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't been sitting quietly, I never, I would have missed that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a beautiful practice sitting quietly but you're adding something to it. I mean, we can we can sit in a Buddhist Zen practice. Um, we can sit in all, all kinds of ways, but sitting and looking at the gifts in front of us or mm -hmm. hearing the gifts in front of us, mm -hmm. I think is a really beautiful practice. And I, I may be extrapolating here, but I, I do think that that's also some of what you do with other humans. I had one time a... I was sitting at the nurse at the nursery. Um, my partner had just left. He had uh, we were he had practically ruined us financially in a real estate project, and my world was crashing. And um, this woman walked into the nursery, and I was hoping a truck would just drive through those gates and take me out. I was in a bad spot. Mm -hmm. And this woman comes in, and, and she, uh, she doesn't say anything. And finally, she says, do you mind if I just sit here with you for a minute? And I said, no. And I kind of scooted over on the bench. And we didn't say anything to each other for quite some time. And finally, she said, thank you. And I said, thank you. You're welcome. Um, she said, you just gave me this amazing gift of peace. And I was, I'll never forget that. I was just, I was just absolutely astonished that a woman I had never seen before saw that, felt peace. It's kind of an oxymoron. I was, I was, I was suffering inside, but we sat quietly together and my mind cleared. And for what Ever it did for her. I imagine it was something similar. It was a, it was a very sweet, wonderful experience for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Really beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful. I believe. I have another thing I want to say. Oh, good. That's just what I was um, going to ask you. A woman that I knew a little bit at that same time came in and um, she knew I wasn't doing well. And she went out to her car and she got brought back this little paperback book. And she goes, I would like to encourage you to take a look at this. And it was Start Where You Are by Pema Shadron. 
And it took me quite a bit to work my way through it because um, I was able to absorb small bits of it at a time. But I worked my way through it several times and I started where I was. I didn't have to be somewhere before I could start the practice. I started where I was and I'll never, I'll never forget that. And I ended up passing that book on to Another friend that was in similar circumstances, hoping that it would help them as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I mean, just the silence is beautiful. I appreciate you mm. illuminating that. It's all around us, mm-hmm. unless you're downtown. Well, I live. I live in a in Santa Rosa, mm-hmm. um, and again, I, nobody knows where Santa Rosa or Guerneville is. We're in Northern California, um, and it's quite noisy. But even in the silence we've given ourselves right now, we can mm-hmm. hear the cars going by. They can hear all kinds of things. And mm-hmm. It's beautiful. So I appreciate the practice. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you think is important that you want to share with the queer community out in the world? Believe in yourself. Don't take anybody else's judgments as a truth. That don't Don't accept what other people say you should be who you should be be who you are and if you don't worry about not knowing who you are because it takes a lot of time it takes a, and some work to really figure out who you are it's not going to happen overnight young gay people give yourselves a break and don't mess around with you know cookie solutions and stuff just give yourself time give yourself a break and i'll be blatant with you of substance abuse it creates so many more problems it does not give you any answers. Mm-hmm. So trust trust in your inner self because you do have inner wisdom. Don't cloud it. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to say the thing that we never say is, you could turn a girl, Jim. <laughs> You're so wonderful. Okay. I so enjoy spending time with you. <laughs> You're such a wise human. Oh, gosh, I don't know. I have people come to me and they say, would you give me some words of wisdom? And my mind goes completely blank. (laughs) That's your words of wisdom. Silence, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe that's it. (laughs) It's like, um, I don't know. You just, I think it's just growing and and time, Mm -hmm. you know, and learning. You know, you you just, you just have to, a lot of things you just have to let happen. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, trying to control them, you know, makes it worse, usually. Mm-hmm. So, And yet we on, still try anyway. Yeah. Well, depending mm-hmm. on, you know, what's, what, what, the act, what it is, um, you know, you, you have to pay your taxes. You have to do this. You, have to, you know, those are givens. Mm-hmm. But being open and receptive, I think, is a good thing. I agree. I agree. All right. I'm going to wrap us up. And I will wrap us up by saying, um, if I can... We will have Miss and Mr. Sparkle Plenty on our site, and I will definitely put pictures there because Sister Sparkle Plenty and Jim are both gorgeous creatures, and it's nice to see both of you. Um, and hopefully we'll have other ways to interact, although most of Jim's time is now spent with himself in solitude. So I feel I was- really blessed to have you here. Well, thank yeah. you. It's been a pleasure to um, to speak with you. Um, I was told that I looked like a collision between a Hollywood goddess 
and the hood ornament of a Rolls Royce. Hey, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and I'll, let, I'll let somebody else judge that. <laughs> All right. Um, please go ahead and look us up at thequeerbody.com and you can see pictures and whatnot there starting in January. Thanks again for your time, beautiful. Thank you so much, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. You've been listening to the Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of queer identity and healing. For more information about Dr. Laura Polak or our podcast, check out our website, communityholistichealth.com. Thank you for listening.